is the perfect song uh, for what we're going to talk about this evening, and I hope you'll uh, keep the words of that song in mind as we think about um, the question, does the Holy Spirit still speak to us today? And before we get into this uh, sermon, let's go to God in prayer. Oh Lord God, we're opening up your word tonight, and we desire to know you better and to draw closer to you. Uh, we're talking about something a little more difficult uh, this evening, and we ask that you help us to see what we need to see so that we can grow closer to you each day and live lives that are pleasing to you. We pray as we look at your word that what we say will only be your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to open to Hebrews chapter 3. Uh, primarily, we're going to be looking through uh, some passages in the book of Hebrews, or the letter to the Hebrews, uh, because the Hebrew writer has a lot to say, or at least in passing, about the Holy Spirit. But the question, does the Holy Spirit still speak to us, is a question that is raised a lot in the religious world, and it's argued a lot about in the religious world. Typically, uh, you'll find two responses to that question. Uh, the first response is, yes, the Holy Spirit does still speak to us today. He is communicating to us, but often that goes into the idea that the Holy Spirit is communicating to us in a direct way. Uh, kind of like getting some urges or feelings or whisperings uh, in your head. And it's very subjective. You pray and peace and comes upon you and it's where the Spirit is leading you. That is one response to this question. And I think that there is a, a problem with that response to the question. Because I don't know that there's any precedent for... Uh, taking that answer yes quite that far in Scripture. In fact, when you look through Scripture, whenever God speaks to people, people are terrified that God has spoken to them. And so uh, I don't know that you typically see people when God speaks to them getting this peaceful feeling that God is somehow leading them somewhere. People are terrified when God speaks to them. And certainly I think you know, if God spoke to me uh, directly, I'd be terrified too. That is the Almighty God speaking to me. So I think uh, that is probably taking that answer a little bit far, but there's the other extreme, the other end of all of this, where the answer is no. Uh, he is not still speaking. We have the complete revelation from God, and He's not speaking to us anymore. Now, I think that answer is right in part. I do believe we have the complete revelation from God. We have what we need in God's Word. He has given it to us. But I'd like to show you from God's Word that the Holy Spirit is still speaking to us today, but it's through His Word. And let's begin here in Hebrews chapter 3, and we're going to be reading verses 7 through 11. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. It begins there, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, 
where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for forty years. Therefore I was provoked with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my wrath. I want you to notice something there at the very beginning in verse 7. The text says, the Hebrew writer says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says. What the Hebrew writer is writing there is that the Holy Spirit says something. And that word there is present tense, and it's an active verb. It's something that is happening right now to these people that the Hebrew writer is writing to. The Holy Spirit is saying this. It's a quotation from somewhere in the Old Testament. In fact, it's a quotation from the Old Testament in the Psalms, in Psalm 95, verses 7 through 11. So what I want you to see is that the the Hebrew writer is quoting from something that's been said a, a thousand or more years before, and yet the Hebrew writer is saying to those that he's talking to, the Holy Spirit is saying this now. This was said a thousand or so years ago, but the Holy Spirit is saying it to you now. In other words, I think what the Hebrew writer is saying is that this psalm that is inspired by the Holy Spirit and the psalmist is speaking to you, his recipients, in the present tense. And you need to listen to it. And you need to gather what it's trying to teach you so that you can live better lives. And notice, not only the tense indicates this, but look at what the the actual quotation says right after that. As the Holy Spirit says, today, today, if you hear his voice. What I think the Hebrew writer is saying is that this is a living oracle from God. This is alive. It's not something that was written so many thousands of years ago and now it's dead and it has no bearing on you whatsoever. It's alive now for you to listen to, for you to hear for you to learn from. Let's go a little bit deeper into this. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. Beginning in verse 8. By this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy places is not yet opened, as long as the first section is still standing, which is symbolic for the present age. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper, but deal only with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation. What the Hebrew writer says here is that the message that the Holy Spirit is trying to get across to these readers is something that is being conveyed to them through the tabernacle. And that message is that while the sacrifices are still being made, they can approach him in some sense of approaching God, but they're never going to get all the way. You think about the the structure of the tabernacle and the structure of the temple. It was designed so that they could get a little close to God, but you know, you got the Holy of Holies, and nobody could go in there. 
Because that's where God's presence was. If you offered sacrifices, you could get a little bit of the way. But only one day out of the year, that one high priest was allowed to go into that Holy of Holies, and only after he had done significant cleansing for himself as well. Think about the mountain in Deuteronomy. The people, uh, you know, they, they could offer sacrifices, but they couldn't come close to that mountain. Because God's presence was on that mountain. And what the Hebrew writer is saying here is that the Holy Spirit has a message for you. And this message is proclaimed through this tabernacle. Well, the tabernacle isn't, you know, of any consequence now, right? Now under the new covenant, there's not a tabernacle, there's not a temple. No, the Hebrew writer says, the, the Holy Spirit says there's still a lesson to be learned from the tabernacle. While the tabernacle was there and the sacrifices were being made, they could approach him, but they couldn't get all the way. But now, the message is the way into the holy place that had not been disclosed, and there was no way that they could get close to God while they don't have access. But there's a message in this for Christians as well. It's the message the Holy Spirit is trying to use the tabernacle to get across. Because of Jesus, the veil has been torn. Now there is access to God. Now there is this incredible opportunity, and the Hebrew writer touches on this a lot, for us to get close to God. Closer than they ever could because there was one sacrifice, one time for all people. What the Holy Spirit is speaking by using this Old Testament imagery, he is saying a new and living way has been made manifest through Jesus. And there's still a message in this from way back in Leviticus, and Numbers, and all of those Old Testament books. And the message is this, apart from Jesus and his sacrifice, we can't get close. There's no possible way for us to get close to God without Jesus and his sacrifice. And finally, the Hebrew writer concludes that the Holy Spirit is saying that the blood of sacrifices cannot take away sin. And again, I think there's a message here. Let's pause to think about this. It is popular to think that we are not under that old covenant and because, and so we don't worship that old way anymore. And that's right. We aren't under that old covenant, and we don't worship the way they did under the old covenant. But I think to take that right statement and then to conclude that because that's true, that what happened then has no relevance to us, is wrong and short-sighted. It does have relevance for us. And the writer says the Holy Spirit is speaking about this. The Holy Spirit has a message to get across. He's trying to get it across now to these Hebrew writers, but if we're going to say that the Holy Spirit isn't speaking to us through you know, these inspired writers, then we might as well just cast aside the Bible altogether. He is speaking to us through these words. The structure of the tabernacle itself says something to us about heaven and God. I encourage you sometime to go and read those really difficult passages that talk about the building of their tabernacle and the temple. 
and notice how much garden imagery is used. Because it's God trying to connect His people back to that garden of Eden where His people were with Him. God wants that. That's the message. All of this points to Jesus. The Old Testament points to Jesus and the Holy Spirit is speaking to that effect. Another passage in Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 15 through 17, another speaking of the Holy Spirit. It says, And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us, for after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them, after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. This is a quotation from the prophet Jeremiah. And the Holy Spirit testified through Jeremiah 600 plus years uh, before we get these words here in, in Hebrews. Jeremiah, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, pins these words. But notice here in Hebrews, the Holy Spirit is still using those same words that were meant for those Israelites all those many years ago. He's still using those words to tell these recipients of the Hebrew letter, and now us, that there's a message that we need to understand. I think we have to acknowledge that this living oracle didn't die with Jeremiah. It didn't end when Jeremiah died. And that's what the Hebrew writer tries to get across in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. For the word of God is living and active. It is alive and it's doing something sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Brothers and sisters, what we read in the Bible spoken through the Holy Spirit, is not dead. It hasn't died. It isn't, you know, at a place where it's not relevant to us anymore. What the Holy Spirit has said is a lie. And it's active. And it can pierce us. This Word of God is able to shine a light down into the very deepest, darkest parts of our soul excuse me, of our souls and confront us and examine us and show us who we really are and who we need to be. We can't look at God's Word and say, you know, this doesn't have any application for me. We can't say to God, why didn't you warn us when something happened. We can't say like the Israelites probably wanted to say, you should have warned us about this. What does God have to say about that? I've been shouting it to you. I've never stopped 
It's alive. My Word has been speaking to you all these years. You haven't been listening. You haven't paid attention to what I have to say. And He has been shouting it to us through His inspired Word all of these years. Yes, the Holy Spirit is still speaking to us in a living and active way through His Word. Now, I want to be clear. We have the complete revelation of God. We have what we need. There's nothing missing. There's nothing left to be said. God has said what we need to hear so that we have the warning that we need and the instructions that we need and the story that we need to have a relationship with God. There's nothing missing. Everything that God has promised, He has brought about. You think about the passage over in John chapter 14. John chapter 14, beginning in verse 25. What Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But notice verse 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things. That's an important word, all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. You see what Jesus says there? When I'm gone, the God is going to send the help for the Spirit, and He's going to give you all things. He's going to give you everything that you need. John chapter 16, verses 12 through 14, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. Jesus is going to share the Spirit with them, and He's going to give them all truth. Nothing missing. The Hebrew writer is very insistent. And a huge part of his argument speaks to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And I want you to notice the correlation of the language here. But in Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 10 through 13, speaking of the death of Jesus, he says there, And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, what? Once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. What the Hebrew writer says there is that this sacrifice of Jesus was once for all. Jesus doesn't have to suffer over and over and over again just so that we can have a relationship with God. He suffered once and He died once for all people. But the same language is used to describe the revelation of the Holy Spirit. It has been revealed and it is for all. And all has been revealed. Over in Jude, the letter of Jude in verse 3. 
The writer here says, Beloved, although I was very eager to, to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was what? Once for all delivered to the saints. This ought to be a cause for great joy. Flip back a couple of pages to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning of verse 2. May, the gra may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things pertain that pertain to life. All things and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of the sinful desires. We are partakers of the divine nature. We have everything that we need to be a part of that. That's what, the, the, that's what Peter says right there. We have everything we need to be partakers of the divine nature. We have a true knowledge of Him who calls us. We can become partakers with Him because He has given us everything we need. There is no lack. And so I, I think just looking at that, I, I think we'd have to conclude and we don't need the Holy Spirit continually whispering in our ear because we need something new. We don't need anything new. We have what we need. And so I think maybe, and I, I titled the lesson purposefully, maybe the question isn't, does the Holy Spirit still speak to us? Maybe the question really should be, are we still listening? Are we still listening to the Spirit of God that has given us everything that we need to have a relationship with Him. There are some implications from all of this. But Jesus kept saying at the end of the letters in Revelation, these words, He who has an ear to hear, let him listen. Now, if there's an application from this lesson, I think it's this. We've got to open up our ears and listen to what the Spirit has to say to us through the Word of God. We need to listen. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will, we must pay much closer attention. It is so easy to render the voice of the Spirit of God ineffective through simple neglect. 
it is so easy for us to begin to quit listening. And when we begin to quit listening, what the Hebrew writer tells us, <coughs> that we begin to drift away. And pretty soon, once we begin to drift away, we will have no taste for what God has to say at all. If the words spoken through angels demanded that we are accountable, that's what the Hebrew writer says there. The words spoken through by angels held people accountable. If that's the case, how much more so the words spoken by our Lord himself and the Holy Spirit. Should we neglect that? Absolutely not. We need to listen. Hebrews 3, verses 7 and 8. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. The warning there is, are you going to be like those Israelites who had the direct word of God that was spoken through Moses, and yet they continually over and over again rebelled against God, or are you going to listen today if you hear his voice? Is your heart going to be softened instead of hardened on the day of testing? They heard what Jesus said and what they, and what they said, and they didn't, and they did what they wanted to do. And every time they did that, they became a little more hardened and adept at justifying where they were headed. And the point that David is making in Psalm 95 that this is quoted from, and the Hebrew writer and the Holy Spirit is trying to get across to us. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us, and what he is saying is hearing is an urgent matter. It is an important matter. Because putting it off hardens your heart. So do it today. Don't put it off. Hebrews 8 in verse 10, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. That's the result of listening, of hearing what the Holy Spirit has to say to us. I will be your God. You will be my people. He wants what he is saying to be internalized within us, to be carried in us, not just known, but practiced, placed upon our hearts, written upon our hearts. Over and over again, we read in the Bible that you've got to listen and hear. Over and over again, it's not unique to Hebrew. The Proverbs are full of it as well. But over and over again, we get this message, please listen to me. Please listen to the words that I have to say. Why? Why does that message have to be declared over and over again? Why does Jesus so often have to say, you know, he who has an ears to hear, let him hear. Why? Because people aren't inclined to listen. All too often, people don't want to listen. I think the question we have to ask then is, what does it mean to listen? 
Obviously, if the Spirit is speaking to us through what has been said in this book, then we need to spend significant time in this book. This is the vehicle for the message. This is what's being driven towards us. Reading regularly and repetitively is important for us, internalizing what he has to say. But we need to make sure that we don't get to the point where we think reading our Bibles and studying our Bibles is purely an intellectual endeavor. That's where I think a lot of religious people slip up. They look at the Bible and they see it as this scholarly text that they want to you know, understand all of these fine details about. It's wonderful if you know that and you can make application of that. But listening is not just simply understanding. Listening is more than that. If we know to do right, if we have an understanding that we need to do right, and we don't do it, that's sin. It can't only be taking the Word and taking it in. The Word's got to transform us. It's got to change us. It's got to shape the way that our lives go. It's got to direct the path. It's what the psalmist said. Your Word is a light to my path. We have to ask the question when we read our Bibles and when we study our Bibles, how do I become like my Lord? How do I get closer to Him? Which is what I was saved and created to be. Start there. Look at yourself. Don't look at others. That's so easy to do, to read the Bible and begin looking at others and go, man, this guy over here needs needs this passage right here. This guy over here, he needs to hear this one on pride. Boy, I, I can point to all of you people and I know exactly what you need to hear. Don't start there. Don't look there. Look at your fel- for yourself first and ask the question, how do I need this? Start at home with ourselves. I remember in Louisville I preached a lesson on humility. There was an older lady in the congregation that came up to me after that lesson and she said, I needed that lesson. And I was thinking to myself, if anybody didn't need that lesson, it was you. You're one of the most humble people I've ever met. But you know what? The more I thought about that, the more I thought she had it right. She was looking at herself first. She heard what the Word of God had to say to her and she felt like she needed to hear it. I need that in my life. You need that in your life. That can be our only response to the Word of God. I need this. How does this shape my life? So yes, the Holy Spirit does still speak to us today. The question becomes, will we listen to the Spirit in such a way that we are transformed more and more into the image of Jesus so that one day we can be with Him for all eternity? That's the question that we've got to face, the question that we've got to ask. We can get so bogged down in all of these little details about the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit does and doesn't do that we lose sight of the Holy Spirit actually speaking to us through God's Word, trying to change us, trying to guide us, so that we can one day call heaven our home. I hope that this has helped you. I know studying for this has helped me a lot, to appreciate God's Word more and to appreciate the Holy Spirit more.
He's powerful. And He can help change your life. He can help change my life. If you're not a child of God tonight, your life needs to be changed. And if you recognize that Jesus is the Son of God and you recognize you need to make that change in your life, you can do that tonight by being baptized and becoming His child. If you are a child of God and you've been struggling, maybe you've struggled to listen to what God's Word has to say, what the Holy Spirit has to say. We want to help you however we can. If you have any need this evening, we ask that you come forward as we stand and sing together.